0: The hybrid Cub Scout podcast with me, Emily Einelander,
1: and me, Corinne Kalaski. Hello!
0: We're mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Emily Edwards, longtime writer, producer, and host of a comedy podcast about books, fuckboys of literature, on which she discusses toxic people from your favorite novels. She barely graduated with a degree in writing, literature, and publishing, but is still making a go of it. In addition to the podcast, she also is a freelance writer and is shopping around a mystery novel.
1: Welcome, Emily. Hi. Welcome. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for our favorite episode of the year, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, Halloween is always mm-hmm. the one we look forward to. Yeah, like it is. A- even when we got you know into mostly interviews, we're like, no Halloween is for us. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Halloween is for fun. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I know there's always so much build up to Halloween. It's more important than like the actual like December holidays that people celebrate. I'm like, Halloween is universal, especially amongst English nerds for some reason. Yeah. It is just like, it's everything. And it makes me so mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It, it's a, it, it's a, just let me have this situation right <laughs> mm-hmm. now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like I'm super, super busy right now, but I was l- with work, but I was like, I'm doing 31 for 31 this year and I don't care. I need something fun to do. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. yeah. So, yeah. So. Oh, I'm wearing my shining earrings. It's <gasps> oh, cool. from the shining. Yeah.
2: That's, That's so awesome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Etsy. We just did an episode on The Shining. It was oh, oh yeah. I didn't I get. Know. I didn't listen to that one oh, yet. it's Fine. It's mostly me going, "What? Oh my god! What? Oh my god!" <laughs> the entire time.
0: <laughs> um. Did you see uh, Doctor Sleep?
2: No, I'm a chicken. Um, okay, don't see Doctor yeah. Sleep. then. <laughs> the <story>. I'm absolutely <laughs> the most scaredy pants person in the world, so I just mm-hmm. don't watch horror movies. I apologize. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's okay. We don't judge. Cool. Not yeah. really. Yeah, you can. Judge I'm on neither. Like-
2: I'm actually wearing Ouija
1: board earrings oh my that I got. Yeah, for my birthday yesterday. But yeah, which was not oh. actually anyway. Oh, I, was I was like, like wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: like, That's yeah. no. <laughs> now I'm confused. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did have that moment of sheer terror that I forgot your birthday though, <laughs> even though I know I didn't. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. No, you're welcome. My pleasure. Always. Um so, so um Emily can you talk a little bit just like tell us what your definition of fuckboy boy is oh. that you have discovered over yes, time because
2: <laughs> it has morphed completely you know like I started with the sort of like lady blogosphere you know definition of like guy you don't want to date and that because I am not hip I didn't know that like fuckboy <laughs> was a term that like was really popular in African American vernacular English prior to like it being co-opted by the white lady blog sphere so I was like oh wait a second like let's go back and completely (laughs) redefine this so over time like a fuckboy of literature has really gotten to sort of be defined as like it's a melding of the two so like the initial term was like just a really crappy guy that you don't want anything to do with and then it turned into like a guy you don't want to date and so it's like those things kind of melded And then you have to take into like consideration all this sort of like societal, um, power structures that are involved Mm -hmm. so it's like usually it's like a guy who was born into massive privilege who like has a major chip on his shoulder he looks down on everybody and he's a Mm -hmm. really crappy romantic partner I think that those are like the big sort of like four touchstones of what makes a fuckboy in literature and let me tell you they're everywhere like (laughs) they really are (laughs) they really are I was like looking
0: at today's book that I read and
2: going there there's
0: one and then there's another one but in a different way and this one is certainly yeah it's like a
2: parade <laughs> it's a cavalcade of fuckboys of literature and like you know i people get asked me all the time like when are you going to do fuckboys from like latin american literature or african literature and i'm just kind of like not my place i'm going to talk about the western canon
0: <laughs> yeah that seems like a whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. that you don't want to do. i mean you mm-hmm. already like said that fuckboy was for you know I just assume now, if I see a new piece of slang on the internet, that it's probably been appropriated. So I'm just kind of like, maybe I should just talk like the total nerd I am,
2: you know, I just never (laughs) was. That's what's really inside of me. So hard to like, I still apologize to people. I'm just like, I didn't know I should have done more research. I'm really sorry. Like I am the whitest woman that's ever walked the planet. I'm from Connecticut. Like I really should have done research (laughs) before i named my podcast this, like since seer apologies like I really should have done some googling before <laughs> yeah
0: it's okay I mean I'm not you know it's not my place to that say you're absolved obviously <laughs> I've had several guests of color oh, and we well. talk about this
1: as well and they're
2: just kind of like as long as you know now it's okay
0: You have some, there's, there's some fuck ladies of literature on your podcast
2: too, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is a gender neutral term. It is just like anybody who plays with power machinations in order to like get ahead and spite people is generally like part of the fuck boy canon. So are we yeah. talking? Is Amy March a fuckboy? Um, I personally am an Amy March apologist. I love. Amy Oh, March. You are. yeah, like with oh, okay. Corinne hates Amy. I'm not gonna. March. No, it's fine. fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Like I, uh-huh. like, oh fine, my gosh, fine. I get into like tiffs with people all the time. They're like, "What do you mean, Jane Eyre?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry." Like, <laughs> I have very unpopular literature opinions, but um, you know, you have like uh, uh I read Lady Oddly's Secret, Daisy Buchanan from mm-hmm. uh. Great Gatsby, she's a total fuckboy. There's lady fuckboys all over the place.
0: Miss Havisham was the episode I listened to that Uh. you did.
2: (laughs) I love Miss Havisham. What actually ends up happening, though, is that usually my guests and I will talk about the lady fuckboys, and then they're like, but we actually love her. Like, I'm sorry. Like, she's a total fuckboy, but you got to give it Mm -hmm. to her.
0: (laughs) Right. And then usually it's like, it's the author who's the fuckboy.
2: Yeah, generally. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I would venture to say that this author that we're talking about today is... Not a not a not a fuck boy. He seems like someone I'd want to hang out with. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But the Korean. Uh, what are we talking about? Yeah,
2: go ahead. <laughs> no, no no no. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say because like we are gonna have to touch upon a different writer. You know, mm-hmm. much older writer. Definitely fuck boy. <laughs> oh yeah, and I've got another one to
0: throw in there oh, too yeah. that I found in my research. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Do you want to introduce our topic Corinne sure yeah just read his bio I assume
1: you mean well yeah and okay. I mean at least say the name too oh yeah 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 <laughs> <we haven't> <laughs> okay so we're gonna be talking about a prolific I would say horror writer Grady Hendrix uh so he writes fiction uh and he writes nonfiction. I'm sorry i'm like reading this bio and it's like funny so it's like it doesn't you know i'm just gonna read it because it is it's it, like It's like two pages but um, you know what
0: yeah. do it it goes
1: back to our roots i'll just read i won't yeah <laughs> where, where we just read like we pw read. articles <laughs> 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 those were the days all right um, let's
0: go back to that let's keep i i don't yeah. have any more interviews on the docket let's okay, just start yeah. talking i think shit we again. should
1: too i missed I'm that
0: done, I'm done with professionalism by yeah. all of my listeners, <laughs> by all of our listeners. i oh, going out with a bang with
2: a lady who hosts a podcast called Fuck Boys of Literature. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think it's going to be called Hybrid Pub Scout Goes to Hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, Corinne, you, you and I can have a brainstorming session. Yeah. No,
1: I like that. I like that. Okay. All right. So, okay. Grady Hendrix writes fiction, also called Lies, and he writes nonfiction, which people sometimes accidentally pay him for. He is the author of Horror Store, the only novel about a haunted Sc- Scandinavian furniture store you'll ever need. It has been Scandinavian. Scandinavian. <laughs> All right. Um, it has been translated into 14 languages and is being turned into a movie from the people who made quality films like 1917 and Black Swan. Foolishly, they are paying Grady to write it. He is busy inserting a whole lot of tutus into it right now. That's exciting. All right. I don't,
0: what? <laughs> his, I don't remember a ballet from that book, but Oh, <laughs> wow. Well,
1: we'll see what happens. If anyone can do it, I'm sure he can. Um, his novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism, about demonic possession, friendship, exorcism, and the 80s, is basically Beaches meets The Exorcist, and it caused The Wall Street Journal to call him, quote, a national treasure and received rave reviews from everyone from Kirkus to Southern Living. Surprisingly, <laughs> this is still not enough for him to earn his mother's love. <laughs> Southern Living? Yes, yeah, Southern Living. He's from South Carolina. So yeah. I think, like, he's right. Like, so, yeah, he's probably, like, a, you know, hometown pride kind of guy.
0: All right. And you
1: still like him. I do regardless. Yeah. Um, you know, you, despite the fact that he's from the South. There very. Corinne was dramatized kind of by about. the South. I was. I was I'm from Connecticut. Know. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You're a Yankee too. All right. Uh, refusing to stop trying to prove himself to his family, he also wrote Paperbacks from Hell, a history of the horror paperback boom in the 70s and 80s. It is so popular it won a Stoker Award. And while you may not know what that is, trust me when I say that it's a big, big deal that gets Grady 20% off all purchases at the Franklin Mint. (laughs) All right. Uh, His next novel was We Sold Our Souls, a heavy metal take on the Faust legend, which hit bookstores in 2018 and got selected as one of the best books of 2018 by Library Journal, the Chicago Public Library. And finally, his mom. It's, <laughs> it's, also, you know, it's also one of Locus's recommended novels of 2018 and earned him an article in the LA Review of Books that makes him sound like some kind of smart person or something. He's not. All right. His latest novel is the New York Times bestseller, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, which is being turned into a TV series by Amazon right now because they own everything. Isn't that the fucking truth? Yeah. All right. In a surprise twist, this book is actually about a southern vampire getting clubbed to death with books by the band Slayer. <laughs> Grady Hendrix used to be a journalist, which means that he was completely irrelevant and could be killed and turned into food at any time. <laughs> he, he is one of the founders of the New York Asian Film Festival, but he is not respons- responsible for the bad parts of it. He is also not Asian. <laughs> For years.
0: (laughs) I have something. I'm going to throw in something right now because I was doing uh, research on him. He has a podcast that he started in May. Oh, cool. And he's doing a whole series on vampires. And there's an episode about Chinese vampires, which like I was, I taught in China for a year in a college and they were all learning um, like English literature and they were reading Dracula. (laughs) And I was sitting with my like small group (laughs) and one of the girls goes, we don't have vampires like that here. And I was like, well, what are your vampires here like? She goes, they hold their arms out and they jump, jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And apparently it's this like zombie vampire hybrid that like can't bend its arm, but its neck gets really long. Okay. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to totally listen to his episode about it. <laughs> yeah, I so don't, cool. all I know is, is they that. jump, jump, jump.
1: all right um for years he was a regular film critic for the new york sun but then it went out of business he has he has written for playboy magazine slate the village voice the new york post film comment and variety he has a hard time making up his mind there is a science fiction book called occupy space that he is the author of and also a fantasy book called satan loves you which he wrote as well Along with his BFF from high school, Katie Crouch, he's the co-author of the YA series, The Magnolia League. He co-authored Dirt Candy, a cookbook, the first graphic novel cookbook in America, with his wife and Ryan Dunleavy. It's now in its seventh printing, which means that at least 24 people have bought a copy. (laughs) His fiction has appeared in Strange Horizons, Pseudopod, and the anthology The Mad Scientist's Guide to World Domination. He is very, very beautiful, but if you ever meet him, please do not let this make you uncomfortable. He does not judge. The New Yorker once ran a short profile of him, and this means that when the time comes and they are lining people up for the space arcs, he will be guaranteed a seat ahead of you. The end. So that's a great vibe. That is a I wish great. Every, God, I wish every author had that much of a sense of humor about themselves. Like, you know, that would make my job a lot easier, but whatever.
0: Apparently also, like, he... In every book, I don't, I don't remember this. Maybe, I don't know if you have the book with you, Corinne. Mm-hmm. Um, in the dedication or acknowledgments, mm-hmm. he, like, kills his wife or something?
1: Oh, let me see. Um, he said
0: something like, my wife Amanda demands to be killed in every
1: book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because it says, it says, for Amanda, who knows the reasons why, asterisk, asterisk. And then at the bottom it says, but if she doesn't, I would suggest she have her attorney consult both protective orders filed against her, The criminal complaint, which outlines these reasons in great detail, and maybe also her conscience, because disclosing the whereabouts of the bodies will finally bring some kind of closure for my family.
2: That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, She was on an episode of Iron Chef. I literally was obsessed with her restaurant and the cookbook because I saw her Uh like battle Morimoto on an episode of Iron Chef. (laughs) And I was like, wait, they're married. That's so cool. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that is
1: very cool what a world what a world
0: yeah I was list- I don't want to steal the because uh, it's about my best friend's exorcism mm-hmm. but okay. I don't want to steal the story from you that I like texted to you about before this
1: oh no early- you should steal it Yeah, he wrote the
0: first draft of My Best Friend's Exorcism and was, like, super proud of himself and gave it to her. And she was like, okay, cool, we'll we'll talk about this later. And then they, like, got on the subway and she was like, so I actually, it's really cliche and I don't think it's very good. (laughs) And he, like, freaked the fuck out and, like, jumped, like, left the train and was like, I'm getting on the next one.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh
0: my god but Korean, how is it how is it though
1: <laughs> it's yeah like i said in my instagram review i give it five out of five pentagrams it was really good really good it was like um i mean so it's basically it's i mean it's true in it's bio it is like Beaches meets the exorcist where it follows these like high school girls who are best friends and then one of them gets possessed and the other one tries to like strike you know like um not strike the demon out. What is the word i Cast the for? But, thank you, yes, cast the demon out of her uh, with the help of like um, an exorcist who's not really qualified to be an exorcist, but anyway. Who is? Um, who is, exactly. That's a good question. Um, so, but he, no, he writes, I will say also he writes like girls very well, Yeah, you know? Like he, yeah, like I was kind of like, cause you know how it is when you're reading an, or a novel or any book by a guy. <laughs> And there's a female character and you're like, ooh, how's this gonna go? You know, so many times it does not go very well, but he does it really well, really well. So I was impressed by that. Um, And it's just, yeah, like I was telling Emily before this, like it made me cry the end of it, like did. And not because I was scared of the exorcism, Um, but because- (laughs) of time, because it's beaches. (laughs) But it's happened before, exactly. And it was very, yeah, it was very much about like the strength and the power of like female friendship which is something very near and dear to my heart. So I felt like that was a really, that was really great that he sort of like emphasized that so much in the book. And I mean, the book was about like two best friends or whatever. So um, yeah, but it was, uh, I don't want to like give too much away about it, but yeah, it was just, it was fun and it was spooky. It was definitely more, I mean, it was expect, I guess it's not a YA novel so it, or a book, so it wouldn't be like Christopher Pike-ish, but that's kind of like what I was expecting when I started it, but it's much scarier. I feel like it's much more graphic. It's much more gruesome um like stuff happens that did not happen in the Christopher Pike books (laughs) I read um but uh but yeah I like recommend it wholeheartedly I'm so glad I read it I feel like I need a break from all these like super serious books about current events and everything right now and this was like filled that space perfectly so yeah unqualified recommendation I loved it I loved it yeah there you go
0: (laughs) oh uh, he uh after his wife told him it sucked she gave him like his her high school diaries
1: oh my god
0: wow she <laughs> was really like this him. is how girls think yeah. <laughs> so you can thank her for that I think yeah. oh my
2: gosh yeah
1: that's crazy wow
2: that's yeah. so cool I, yeah. I have to admit the only book of his that I've read it was his debut which was Horror Store and oh, yeah. uh, you know when it came out and it was in that format where it looked exactly like an Ikea catalog <laughs> yeah. that was just like I love the actual, like, formatting of books and, like, how people design books, too. And, you know, it was just, like, so mind-blowing to me six years ago when it came out that someone had the guts, and specifically cork, which totally makes sense, like, to have the... just with people's idea of what a book should look like so much. And I apologize, I should have asked if I can curse, because... Oh, you can Okay, okay. Literally cool. literally saying <laughs> yeah, fuck boy over yeah. and over That's and a over good again. point! <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: um, yeah, uh, we interviewed uh, Ian Dosher, who wrote the, um, the Shakespeare Star Wars mm-hmm. books, The Force, Death Awakened, and all that stuff. And um, he did it with Quirk books. And apparently he just like pitched it to them one day, like out of nowhere, like didn't know them, just like was like, you know what I think would be really fun. (laughs) They were like, that does sound really fun.
2: Uh You're right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
0: It's like they just. They just sound like they hear something that sounds fun and go, okay, let's do it.
2: It's
1: so cool. So
2: cool. I mean, I don't, you know, aside from the fact that I want to be part of it, I don't know a whole lot about the publishing industry and like how basically small, small smallish imprints get away with stuff like that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think that for that one, the George George Lucas's people came in, like, and gave them money. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how the other ones do though, because that's expensive. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. What
0: do you think of horror store though? Um,
2: again, like I'm chicken, so it <laughs> scared the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> and like, you know, I put myself through college working retail. So I was, you know, it was so incredibly realistic in every single character and character type that was there because like you don't think of those people as archetypes of stories but you think of but once you see like see them in that sort of setting they're obviously archetypes of people that you meet when you're working crappy retail jobs and it was I just thought it was the most ingeniously delightfully terrifying book I'd ever read. (laughs)
0: it was uh, and it was certainly redolent of fuckboys oh
2: god yeah oh god yeah I mean you know it's just because they had this wonderful um, sort of setup in the beginning where there's a character named Matt who's working in this giant Ikea knockoff and Matt is he's so down on working there which is like everybody when you work retail and he you know he makes all these references that are so um, familiar now you, you know five years later that like people use of like, oh, this is prison. Oh, this is just like the corporate overlords are driving you. And like the first time I read it, I didn't pick up on any of that, that, you know, this was all going to tie into the haunty bits that are happening towards the, you know, at the end, because you get 50% of the way through the book and then there's a massive twist and then it starts getting scary as hell. And so- You know, it's really, it's foreboding, you know, it's very like creepy up until about 50% of the way through. And then it's terrifying. And like, you don't really, and the first time I read it, I didn't notice all the threads that he wove through. And of course, now that I reread it for this show, you know, five or six years after I read it for the first time, I was like, Oh goddamn you're just so talented. Like how dare you be this funny and be this good at breadcrumbs and be that talented of a writer? Because also it's hard to write horror. It is really hard to write horror. And I was like, Goddamn talent. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so it was Matt. Matt also like is is very fuckboyish in a very familiar way. Like yes like guys you've dated kind of. Yeah,
2: because like, (laughs) you know, there's the the archetypes of the, the people in the store and they're all like walking stereotypes, which is really hard to pull off without making them seem like walking stereotypes. And, you know, and Matt is doing anything he can to get, trinity the cute asian girl like into bed with him he is just like lying through his teeth in order to like win over the hot girl that everybody in who works in the store wants to be with and it's just like watching his matt's like machinations and the lies and his backing up and then reframing things so other people don't think worse of him and he's always trying to save face and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh especially when you work in large stores there's always that guy like it's just so wonderfully crafted of dealing with like the high school-esque you know personality pushes in a store that's staffed entirely by adults you know and to pull out those sorts of um that pettiness that Mm -hmm. never leaves you is so um just brilliant, especially in like a horror story, you know, sort of background, because you always think about horror movies and it's always like people in high school or they're young and they're college aged and they're always making stupid decisions. And then you just like balk when you see like grown adults doing the exact same thing and you realize you don't actually ever grow up. That is actually the key of horror.
0: You never do. You never do. Oh, poor Ruth Ann. (laughs) Ruth Ann got the worst. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Ruth Ann got done wrong. Uh, And
2: when she was like, Snoopy's waiting at home on the couch, I was like, Fuck you. Fuck you, Grady. Her speech (laughs) that she gives the main character Amy, when Amy is just like, I'm above everything. I hate working here. Like everything is horrible. Like even though like my Italian dad always said to me, when you are hungry, there is no bad bread. Like no job is beneath you. And Amy's like, Mm -hmm. I need to pay my bills. And then Ruth Ann is like, listen here, you little bitch. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's the best speech. Also very familiar. (laughs)
0: So familiar. There's always that person too. There's always like the older one who's like you're you think you're great don't Mm -hmm. you (laughs) wait just wait (laughs) I was just so impressed Um, and then Matt like the bit where he's like trying to impress Amy with how smart he's like he's not attracted to her but he still needs to impress Mm -hmm. her kind of thing and when he starts talking about the panopticon (laughs) that's like what set me off because like I had a boyfriend who like used that to impress me one day like he's like let me explain to you like Foucault's (laughs) like critique of the panopticon oh my god and I'm just like Jesus Christ why I'm having I'm having it's like every (laughs) early
2: 2000s um liberal arts education can be summed up by the the theories of Foucault and Derrida and I'm always just like thanks guys like (laughs) any guy who pulls that out in like casual conversation I'm always just like ah yes you. <laughs> I see you.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I too have Probably a BA. Yeah. <laughs> I also
1: Thanks.
0: like that. Um, but what I did, okay. I do have to give, uh, Grady Hendricks some good credit on that tip where like how he tied in the villains, like outlook to it, because I, I was recently reading Angela Davis cause I'm pretentious as fuck too um, but she uh, the our prison's obsolete and she was talking about like the birth of the penitentiary mm-hmm. and she was talking about how um it started from almost like this novelist point of view where it's like this is a redeeming procedure mm-hmm. like you go to prison to become a better like very um you said you haven't read Dostoevsky lately, no. right? Or like, okay. So like crime and punishments, like spoiler alert, he gets punished. I'm shocked at the <laughs> end. And so he's in jail or like he's in prison at a work camp. And it just kind of like, explores how he's been like spiritually reborn inside of the work camp and it's like this is what people used to think prison did. I mean I think the entire
2: concept of this is going off out into left field but I'm pretty sure like I feel like the entire concept of Incarceration is forcing a narrative on someone. You know, it's like this Christian, you know, Western Christian concept of like, we're going to force you into redemption and we're going to force you into sort of like a narrative arc where you're going to pay and then be reborn. And it's just like, no, it's just torture. (laughs) Yeah. And that's literally like what the
0: root of the message of this book becomes exactly <laughs> whereas like we we have this like evil character who's going to fix everyone and really he just ends up like torturing all of them to death.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean it it's so deeply rooted in American Gothic literature that I didn't quite realize, again, like the first time that I read it and I was a very bad student, so I didn't read anything that was assigned to me. And so to just sort of like ha- go back now with the education that I'm forcing on myself while I do this podcast and just to realize how deeply seated it is, you know, Grady Hendrix's work is actually in like historical Gothic literature, like is, it's actually very surprising.
0: What were you um do you have any like examples in particular that you saw? In there? I mean,
2: I think my uh, immediate recollection is actually Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death. Oh. Ah, <laughs> tie-ins.
0: <laughs> Good old Poe. Good old Poe. <laughs> um The Fuck Boy in the prison uh scenario here like was Foucault though because yeah. I, I heard someone told me like he was a pedophile and I was like really and I looked it up Fuzzy. and apparently in France there was some kind of Harper's letter uh. <laughs> that a bunch of authors did including Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre signed it as well and it was about how having something. sex with minors is a uh, deliberative process for both parties. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I knew I knew that about them. And that's one of the reasons why I don't really I always smile and nod when people suggest I choose Simon Bob. And I'm just like, I don't want to touch that right now. is okay. a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, and okay. yeah, something to be said that's for all Edgar Allan Poe, who also married a girl who was 13. Oh. Yeah. Did you,
0: did you look into that whole thing? Cause I heard about it on a different podcast, like way more details
2: about it. Um, I, I didn't go into massive, massive detail. I mean, like his biography is just basically his wife who was barely 13 and also consumptive and he had a massive drinking problem. So put that all in a cocktail shaker and you get just like massive, massive abuse. I also, he was never particularly well off and incredibly resentful of his well-off adopted parents who cut him off. Um, It's just like every single soap opera detail that you could throw into someone's life in order to make them just like miserable.
1: (laughs) I
0: think that he was, I can't remember it was on a a, uh, podcast called um, it's by uh, women uh, women suspense authors Mm -hmm. um unlikable female characters Ah, is the name of it it's wonderful and yeah and so they were talking about how like he knew her when she was a baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and basically like bought her from they were technically related impoverished yeah yeah
2: they were like Like, removed cousins
1: oh yeah Mm -hmm. okay cool guy yeah
0: (laughs) I'm just so glad we have a a, you know funny wife guy writing the horror novels now seriously
2: yeah that's much better though like they're going into Grady Hendrix because he's also very active on Twitter and so like Mm. we have to remember you know that he didn't exactly have a normal childhood if you want to remember that creepy ass story he told on Twitter a couple months ago (laughs) Uh <laughs> do tell, do tell. Oh my God. So he, this is how like, I realized he was on Twitter. Cause he's not like one of my most favorite authors. So I wasn't like, I need to follow him. And then, you know, I saw the Twitter feed going around and I was like, oh, oh, I know that name. This explains everything. And so like <laughs> he and his family grew up in like a relatively like new build house. And one day he went downstairs to go sneak something from the refrigerator when he was a little kid. And he saw a person eating out of the refrigerator when he, like in the middle of the night. And he was like, What the shit? Because when you're a little kid, like, how else do you react? Like, that's the scariest thing. As an adult, I'm 35 years old. That is the scariest thing I have ever heard of in my life. And so he told his parents, (laughs) and they were like, "No, that's not real. You must have just been making it up." (laughs) Guess what, parents? Don't ever say that to a little kid. Don't ever say that to a little kid. That is it's a fucking horror trope. Okay, it is okay. So now that you say it's a horror trope, I am going to assume that this is a real story because I am just like could have been made up. I don't know. I'm gonna assume. Ah, see, I'm look. See, this is the fun part about doing this over Zoom because I normally don't do it with video, and I can see your faces now. And I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't. It happens. (laughs) So like like the story <laughs> continuing it's just like he is positive that there's a person like living in his house and his parents don't believe him and then one day he's saying there's a funk coming from his air conditioning deck and this is the grossest thing and everybody can extrapolate where this is going but that's okay and so he's saying like there's a funk coming from the air conditioning unit like what's going on all of a sudden there are maggots falling out of his air conditioning duct i know and then he's (laughs) just like clearly something is wrong here Fingers crossed it's just a raccoon. Mom and dad go up there, like, go and check it out. And then it turns out that the guy who was living in his house died in the air conditioning unit. And, like, that was the funk that, like, was emanating throughout the house. P.S., he had also seen eyes watching him through the air conditioning duct for (gasps) many months leading up to this.
1: That was the oh my part God.
0: that
2: really Sorry got me. Sorry about yeah. my terrible That's... storytelling skills, but still. No, no, no. No. That was great. Also. Oh uh, <laughs> you...
0: <laughs> no, you hear about that kind of stuff all the time. And like, the, it always ends with, and then they, the police went up in the attic and there was a, there was a sleeping bag yeah. in
2: the yeah. bag of shit. Yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly. Or like. a yeah. lot. There's a secret crawl space underneath my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yep. yeah. no. No. Mm-mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a reason. There's a shitload of boxes on the door to the cross space in my closet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, okay. No wonder you're a horror writer. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing sure. leads to another. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As as the Italians say, say no è vero, è buon trovato."
1: Translation.
0: if it's not true it's still a good story
1: <laughs> i never heard i, think that I said before, it wrong that's wonderful yeah <laughs>
0: um i love twitter uh, i love twitter's horror stories so much. Oh <laughs> that's something corinne and i like to send yeah. each other when we
1: find them that is true that is true
0: corinne was obsessed with dear david for a long time i don't know what that is yeah.
1: what is that oh Oh, well, no! <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I put a link in the, in the doc. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you for doing that. Cause it's been long. So it's a long time since I,
0: I think that you are especially scared of it because of the cat, the cat factor.
1: The, oh yeah, that's true. That's There's true. a lot of cat action. In okay. There is a lot of cat action in it. And I remember at the time I lived alone too. And that
2: also did not go, you know, yeah. sit well with me. So see, yeah. cause I grew up, I feel, I tell everybody, I grew up in a haunted house. Like my house had legit ghosts. What? So, yeah. you know, I'm an absolute weirdo. I totally believe in ghosts. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I, but oh, same. I I, too. I will take ghosts over corporeal, actual creepy humans, like any day of the week. Yeah same. Ghosts can't hurt you. They can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Well, they can
0: make you hurt yourself, but that doesn't, that's (laughs) that's neither here nor there.
2: (laughs) My ghosts never came after me. Like they were just really interested in the computer and they would like lurk behind me while I was like Mm -hmm. writing papers and stuff. And my mom and I see them, you could feel them. You know, when you can feel someone looking at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Did you ever see anything? Or um, like- it, my house was laid out in a very funny way because it was like a 1920s like farmhouse. Um, oh. Yeah, oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so actually like two houses that I lived in when I was a kid were haunted. Um, the The house that I lived in most of the time was in Connecticut. And that one, when you walked into the back door, you could see out of the corner of your eye like the living room and you would always see someone walk through the living room. It's like every time you walked into the house, you would just see movement into the living room. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. like, when I walked up the stairs, um, I could always see an orb move into my brother's room.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Holy I don't shit. think I could cope. I
2: don't oh think I could God. cope with that. You're, and
0: you're <laughs> like scared of horror movies, and I love them. And then I've never seen a ghost, yeah. but you're like, whatever. It's just the it's orb. It's just the floating <laughs> orb that lurks <laughs> in my watch brother's up. room.
1: Just another
2: day with the orb.
0: (laughs) Don't walk upstairs too fast. You might hit the orb.
2: (laughs) Well, the second house that I grew up that I lived in when I was a kid that was haunted, actually the ghosts used to steal things. Oh. That's that isn't that like poltergeisty. It's a little bit more poltergeisty. Yeah. And especially because they used to steal knives. Oh, wow. That's worrying. Oh no. Yeah. And then you just go, guys, like I need that. Like I'm doing something here. And you turn around and turn back and it would be back where you left it. Oh wow. So they were just kind of like uh, tricky. <laughs> it was like living with Puck. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> they were just like trickster gods.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: lots of tiptoeing. Yeah, around. exactly. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, one of my best friends who lived in um California near like Yosemite, mm-hmm. she swears that she also grew up in a super haunted house. And like it was the kind of thing where it was like malicious haunting, where it was like things would fly off the shelves. And like cupboards would slam and like really like the shit you see in the movies and stuff like that. So, and I completely believe her, but yeah, it's just really, it's
2: not. Yeah. That happened to my mom. She was living in an apartment on Long Island and like she Mm -hmm. was having a dinner party and like the bowl of salad just lifted up off the counter, moved over two feet and smashed to the ground. And she was like, okay, (laughs) like, (laughs) (laughs)
0: sorry guys, like immediately move (laughs) (laughs) or
2: she stayed there for years. Oh, wow. Good for
1: her.
0: Yeah. I guess it's like, whenever I see those movies and that, you know, you're always like, get out of there, go move somewhere else. I'm like, that's expenses.
2: You have a security (laughs) deposit. What are you going to tell people? (laughs) You just got there. You can't break your Um, lease. That couch can't leave. It's too big for the doorway. What are you going to (laughs) do?
1: You just reason with them. (laughs) Can you just be nice? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But you can't, uh, you can't
1: always send them back. Like, no, and you can't not, teach a ghost. It's not, not your job. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's true. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Oh man. But it's so funny. Cause like, I am just not into horror as a genre at all. Like I believe in ghosts. I, yeah. I totally understand like witchcraft and like wanting to be close, you know, commune with nature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just can't do the scary. I just can't do yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know what it is because I was I was a huge scaredy cat as a kid, like scared of Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And I grew up and then suddenly I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And I've heard that (laughs) happening to other people before. So there's got to be some psychological reason for it. No, I
1: feel like I was the same way. And I think a lot of the reason that horror movies appeal to me also is because I was raised Catholic. Mm. So I'm like, even though I'm also terrified of like, I've seen The Exorcist once, I am never watching it again. Mm -hmm. Like I thought when I was 20 and I had to sleep with the light on for like a month. So I'm not putting myself through that again, but like anything that is about demon possession or about the devil, even though I'm not Catholic anymore, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's too much and I can't handle it. But like all the other shit, I'm like, that's fine. Zombies, serial killers. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Like give me more, that's fine. See, but I I was raised
2: Catholic too. And I feel like one of the reasons why like, I like weird stuff is Mm -hmm. because Catholic Catholicism is a deeply creepy religion oh totally. it's yeah. so yeah. weird and mm-hmm. so it's like it's yeah. witchy as all get out and yeah, so like totally. i'm more comfortable with talking about like oh yeah you know that guy's head got chopped off and then he walked around yeah. with it for a little while yeah. like because <laughs> did that there was a whole bunch of them i just did a whole like patreon thing on it today and i was just like yes. no conveniently it was thinking about people who walked around carrying their own severed heads <laughs> just in time. But, like, it's as a you do. Totally Miraculously. weird mm-hmm. religion. And so, mm-hmm. like, and it's all witchy as all get out. So, like, oh, oh, I yeah. am okay with weird. But for some mm-hmm. reason, if there's, like, like I watched The Descent once and like, yes. no, 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 no. That was the, <laughs> that's scary. That was the scariest thing that's I've scariest. ever seen in my life. Like I was really never yeah. going to ever go spelunking
0: ever. It's <laughs> not a good movie for a not horror movie person. <laughs> yeah, that's scary, Like that though. is when I tell yeah. you to steer clear. From. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> See, but I thought The Exorcist was hilarious. Really? Yeah. Maybe I think it's kind is it
1: Maybe if I watch yes. it again now, I can handle it. I think you it might, it might close
2: some
0: loops for yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Cause I'm further away from like my Catholicism now than I was, yeah. when I was like, yeah, like,
2: and also just like being totally spoiled as like a modern movie consumer, like the effects yeah. are just laughable. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. same thing kind of with the shining, but the shining is slightly mm-hmm. different. Cause that's a little more human.
0: Yeah. 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 Especially the book. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you read The Exorcist book? No, I haven't interview? read The Exorcist
2: book, yeah, but I read The Shining. It out. was
0: one of my favorites when I was younger. I read it around the same time I watched the movie. I was like, oh, there's a book of this too. I'm going to read the book. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It was very similar, but it was a lot more like it was, you know, the, he was, he was a priest. Yeah. Right. Like he believed everything he was writing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, right. Yeah. It was really important to him. So lots of detail pretty scary yeah and I gotta tell you my reading the exorcist story yeah uh, that I always tell is like I was reading it during Christmas break and I fell asleep oh, in time. my mom's bed one more yeah I know right and <laughs> and there was um I woke up to the bed shaking <gasps> oh that's right you told me story. and I like I just you know I guess that was when I came out of my scaredy cat phase because all I thought was are you fucking kidding me right now <laughs> And my mom, because I'm from California, and my mom comes to the door and she goes, earthquake. <laughs> like, get out of fucking bed. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm not being targeted. Natural <laughs> phenomenons
1: for, for reading this book. <laughs> Demons aren't mad at me for it. <laughs> well, I was listening to that podcast you sent me with Grady Hendrix on it, the Wired one earlier. Yeah. And he was saying how like the exorcist is scary because yeah, like he believes in all those things. Like he believes in God, he believes in the devil. He believes that there are like demons that possess you. And that's like why it's so scary. And it's the just guy like, who wrote it, not Grady Hendrix. Yeah, no, no, no not oh. Grady Hendrix.
2: Yeah, William, sorry, yeah. William Peter Blattery. I was going to find that one yeah. a little bit difficult to believe. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Grady <laughs> Hendrix, card-carrying Catholic.
1: <laughs> but he was also saying, like, that's why so many of the modern exorcism movies are way less scary, is because you can tell the people making them are like, oh, well, this is bullshit. I don't believe in it. That's a this. really good point. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting.
0: He was also talking um on that panel or whatever it was. Yep. <laughs> group group discussion. Yeah. yeah. Um Paul Tremblay who is a really good horror author who is one of my favorites. I don't know if you've read e- either of his books, Emily. Nope. nope. Sorry. Well, they're scary <laughs> and they're hard. good horror writing, which <laughs> is not always the easiest
2: thing to No, find. it's really hard. And that's actually something that I was realizing like why I was reading Stephen King for the first time because um Everybody, you know, after I did my episode on The Shining, everybody was like, Did you read this one? Did you read this one? And I was like, No, I have not. But also, like, Stephen King is hit or miss because, like, it's really hard to write. And I would say that, like, a lot of the ones that people were telling me to read were actually more like fantasy novels or like mystery suspense with like a slight sci fi or horror twinge to it and not necessarily like straight up what I would define as like straight up horror.
0: It's a yeah. It's it's hard to differentiate, and that's one of those ongoing arguments with fans. Is like, is it horror or is it suspense? Oh, you're just calling it suspense for clout, or like <sighs> that's not really horror. That's a thriller. <laughs> like, how dare you? It's just this very like hairpin argument
2: that's really annoying. <laughs> you know, I was speaking to two people who do a podcast about publishing, that is the hardest part about pitching your goddamn book. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, especially you with the mystery. Yeah. Like that must well, not be It's a easy. cozy.
2: No, like it's just mystery. Oh,
0: oh.
2: Oh, in that case. <laughs> so, no, I simplified <laughs> it for clear. myself. I'm not that smart.
0: <laughs> oh, smart enough to know not to do that. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> no, it's just a straight up okay. detective novel. It is a cozy mystery. I like them. Hooray. <laughs> what's the, what's the gimmick? Uh, she's a 1950s girl detective.
0: Oh, oh cool. yeah. <laughs> My mom, uh, was, oh, I'm always scared when I say something about my mom because like, she sends me letters <laughs> if I get something get wrong, too. but she, I grew up with her reading, um, like cozy after cozy, after cozy, after cozy. And, um, I would often like, we'd get home from the library and I'd like look through her stack and hold one up and be like, you read this already.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> They're great.
0: <laughs> she liked the, um. Earlene Fowler, who did the quilts mm-hmm. once, was, I met her and she wears purple cowboy boots.
1: <laughs> oh, <That's> cool. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I bet Grady Hendrix wears purple cowboy boots. He probably does. He probably he does. Real smart looking. Yep. Dude. I do have to say
2: though, like, you, I feel like you have to be from certain parts of the country to write really convincing horror and South Carolina is one of them. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 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 I think it's that's a lot
1: true. I feel like the South in particular is like a hotbed for this stuff and it breathes it just like it comes from its pores. Yeah.
2: Like you know, um, like yeah, I have a friend from Alabama and he and I were talking mm-hmm. about it and I was like, I love Southern Gothic. Like I am a yeah, Yankee through and yeah. through, and Southern Gothic uh-huh. is one of my favorite genres of literature because there's so much guilt in the south Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a different kind of guilt that you get from yankees and it's just the way that southern writers write about their because goth gothic literature isn't scary it's about feelings Mm -hmm. it's about the Mm -hmm. oppressive feelings that you have about whatever's happening and usually in the south it's about slavery and Mm -hmm. it's just this really brilliant way that the genre of literature that they have to tackling their history and the things that the country puts on them and that's one of the reasons why I actually love Poe so much is because like he does have that north-south divide really well because like he's from Baltimore which like when you're a Yankee you totally consider the South and then like he'd spent so much time in Boston where he must have been treated like absolute crap because Yankees are like that we totally are and so like to watch Poe in his very short sort of career that he had grapple with the money, the southernness, the northernness, the brokenness, the, you know, his alcoholism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's just this really, truly dynamic writer that I think like encompasses America more than a lot of other writers that we actually have.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And all of the, all of the ugly parts. Oh yeah. No, it, yeah. yeah not a good just guy. Just the ugliest, <laughs> uh, all the ugliest parts like wrapped up into yeah, one Poe is person. definitely like one of
2: those hashtag problematic faves, like not yeah. a good person, but you know, mm-hmm. he died early mm-hmm. enough that hopefully he didn't do too much damage to people. Yeah. Something thought, well, I mean, not until his wife died. <laughs> yeah. She, she died at like 25. So she spent like over half her life married to him. Whoa. If you can find that episode
1: of
0: um of Unlikable Female Characters, they read a poem she wrote Ooh. and it is fucked up. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I should have looked it up, but like it's it's really cool. <laughs> it's like whoa
2: she's talking about dying (laughs) whoa they're all so creepy I mean like Mm. if you read Annabelle Lee like knowing what you know about him and you're just like oh wow you all really needed some major post-1970s therapy and you just were never (laughs) going to get it It's heartbreaking, really.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and meds, honestly. Oh, yeah, no lie. (laughs) (laughs) lie.
2: And someone to keep him away from alcohol because, like, apparently he was, like, a really fun dude when he wasn't drinking, except, yeah, yeah. Hmm. apparently Hmm. he was super kind, like, and really normal, but the second he had, like, one drink in him, like, everybody wrote that he just, like, turned into an absolute raving monster. It's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah somebody i
0: i heard someone else talking about how he died like he died face down in a mm-hmm. gutter but like there was some um, there was some practice where they, they would like take people off the street during elections and like force them to like go and vote mm-hmm. and re-vote and it was like a voter fraud thing and someone <laughs> theorized that that was what happened to him. Whoa, whoa. Oh, he got, just got like the shit beat out of him and these people making him vote repeatedly. Yeah, I but...
2: heard recently <laughs> someone like was uh, like positing that it was a mob hit. Oh, yeah. So, huh. yeah, it's a weird death. Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally <laughs> creepy death. Like, it's a totally weird death. And, like, yeah. he died. Did he die in Boston or Baltimore? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's like either. I have a computer sitting in front of me. I can tell you. I mean, you <laughs> could look
0: it up, I guess.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but, like, I know in Boston, because um, I lived there for a little while there's a big oh he died in Baltimore but he was born in Boston um ah. oh, okay. and so like um there's a big plaque actually like on the building where he lived and was born and it's like Edgar Allan Poe was here and it was right by my college <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> just like hey every time you walk <laughs> exactly. by
0: sorry about your face yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> you had a left go of it poor Edgar oh. you really did <laughs> oh man I also feel like the kind of the the base of horror that is like built on by everyone else. I am like making up this theory right on the spot, but all of the fun horror authors that I know of now, you know, <laughs> like great Hendricks, Paul Tremblay, like who are generally like cool people, their work is derivative of all these other people. Yeah. And so when we look back in history at like Poe and Mary Shelley and Fucking HP
1: Lovecraft. Oh god, I got
0: so like, much shit the other day for talking <laughs> about it <who laughs> <Lovecraft>. Terrible writer, <laughs> terrible writer, terrible person. But I mean came up with these crazy ideas and so there's all of these people who like were extremely tortured who came up with the stuff yeah. and now everyone <laughs> else is like yay we're having fun with your stuff <laughs> <laughs> like, <I> have- <laughs> sorry about your brain <laughs> yeah
2: i have such a hard, easier time with people being like listen edgar Allan poe was like afflicted by demons of varying mm-hmm. kinds but like h.p mm-hmm. lovecraft was a conscious racist you know what I mean? like, and, and he embarrassed people. Yeah, like he made the decision <laughs> like continuously. You know, I feel very like um, uh, Hannah Gadsby of like, that was a decision. Yeah. <laughs> he chose mm-hmm. to believe and write those things. Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. mental illness, addiction issues, yeah. all sorts of abandonment issues. Totally get mm-hmm. it. None of that he chose. H.P. Lovecraft, he chose that shit.
0: I'm yeah. sorry. He went like... He lost his mind because he was so racist. Yes. <laughs> like, he was so scared of not white people oh that he lost his mind.
2: <laughs> IRL. <laughs> 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 okay it seems familiar now like <laughs> well that's true <laughs> yeah. but oh my god he <laughs> could have just yeah, not been scared of not white people like yeah come yeah on.
0: and it's not even a oh he was a product of his time because like other people in literary yes. circles were like
2: yeah he's really racist yeah. <laughs> when people in like the late 1800s think you're racist you're yeah. real goddamn racist yeah yeah that's pretty bad yeah
0: and I know that <laughs> I don't know if you read. Oh, sorry, oh, go, sorry ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say um, I don't know if you read urban fantasy, but um, N.K. Jemisin's new book is uh, "The City We Became." Yeah, has like. It has all the Lovecraftian monsters and they're all racists. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all, all of the Lovecraft characters and monsters are white supremacists. See, if you're not going
2: to do that, I don't know why you would pull from him. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's my exactly. own personal feelings. And I know I'm not part of like the horror community. So everybody's always like, hey, you can't critique it if you're not part of the community. And I'm just like,
1: no, I think you wait can. people got, uh, got a yeah. people got mad at you
2: for saying oh god if you yeah. love is racist. oh, god, oh yeah. my
1: god yeah, so but, what's the angriest like um or the angriest comments you've gotten like from which episode that you've done uh
2: david foster wallace oh yeah, yeah. that makes sense that was gonna be my guess yeah um also weirdly franny and zoe by jay-z salinger
0: oh yeah I mean, is that weird? <laughs> Wait, did you not get it for Holden Caulfield either? I mean, or? I get
2: a little bit for Holden Caulfield, but I'm actually mm-hmm. like, it's actually because my episode on Holden Caulfield is actually incredibly sympathetic towards him and people do not mm. like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like if you, if, you can read it that Holden was a victim of sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. so like there's breadcrumbs. Oh yeah, you can, can't get yeah, it. There's breadcrumbs there. And so yeah. like, you know, and also it's written in the 1950s. So he's never going to come out and say like, you know, textually that this is what happened, but there's breadcrumbs there. Mm-hmm. And so that's how my friend and I uh, read it and we discussed it. And people get very mad that you want to give him any compassion. But um, mm. weirdly Franny and Zoe gets a lot of um, hate mail because my friend, and I who discussed it, he's a huge JD Salinger fan. Um, we're both atheists. And so everybody mm-hmm. was like, This is such a an incredibly religious book. How can you even remotely understand it or like like it if you're an uh, atheist? And I'm just like, Okay. It is. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. People can like things. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I might judge people for it, but that's their business. that's well, just mm-hmm. it. It's like if you want to have yeah. a con-
2: if you want to have a constructive conversation about something, I'm more than happy to have that conversation mm-hmm. with you. It's just like you can't just yeah. be like, you dumb bitch, but like right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the Discord. And that's when I screen grab the
2: YouTube comments and actually keep them in a folder
0: on my on my desktop. Is the folder called discourse? <laughs> <It's> called, <laughs> I, like,
2: I keep threatening to do a dramatic reading of all my hateful YouTube comments. You should do that. Uh, please please do some not. of them are really good. Do that
0: for your Patreon.
1: <laughs> I'm planning yeah. on it.
0: Do it for the top <laughs> tier of your Patreon. I haven't <laughs> acted in
2: 20 years, but it's going to be really fun.
0: Uh, we did that. We did acting last time with the, uh, with the Shakespeare thing with the, um, oh, oh, he did McTrump. Oh Oh, yeah.
2: That's right. Yes. Yes. God bless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put you on mute for just a second because I totally swallowed my water wrong. Oh no. Sorry guys. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
0: Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Corinne, did you find the Dear David stuff?
1: Oh, I did. Yes. Do you want me to read that? Sorry. I kind of do. I mean, Emily doesn't know about it. We're going to bless your timeline. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read all the tweets or like just read the article? What do you think?
0: Well, just use it to like remind yourself. I oh, don't okay, know. like just tell us the story of, of the scary
1: scary. Yeah Well, Emily, you're entity. gonna have to you're gonna have to help me because I know it was like a couple of years ago So I for sure don't remember everything.
0: So it's just like this guy who was a um a, An illustrator mm-hmm. um, Adam Ellis. Yeah, I don't know is he in um is he in San Francisco. I thought he was in New York. Probably New York. Everybody's New York. Yeah. Um. So he had this dream about um dear David, which I don't know why he called it that, but that's fine. Where like if you have a nightmare and you he had like a little girl in his dream come up to him and be like, he's gonna come and talk to you, and you can ask him two questions, but if you ask him a third question,
1: you die. Nope, 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 nope,
0: nope. nope. And so he (laughs) asked him three questions, and so the rest of the Twitter thread. is basically like here are my cats standing at the door staring Mm -hmm. at the door they do this at midnight every night and he had video yeah yeah Yeah. and he had like um he had like one thing where a chair was moving Mm -hmm. and then he had like at the end he has pictures of it basically Ah. (laughs) I'll send it to you it's so scary (laughs) it's terrifying yeah we'll post it yeah it's Mm -hmm. great But lots of good
2: cat content too. Yeah, Yeah, there's that. That's true. That Mm -hmm. feels very Babadook. Like I don't. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it is. I loved, by the way. Talk about a scary movie that I freaking adored. The Babadook. Ah, was the Babadook. So, are there any other scary movies that you adored? Just that one. Just that one, probably off the top of my head. (laughs) It has an adorable
0: (laughs) ending. so much also more like about grief
2: that than it is, like, the scary yeah, creature that's, that's living, you know, right, and, right, like, the yeah. horrors of being a single mom and, like, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the fact that you have, have these terrible emotions towards your kid and, you know, it's a lot more complicated than just, like, critter lur- lurking in your, your basement. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> I mean, hereditary is about grief too. Yeah. Oh, that's sure.
1: something I never would watch. Rec- nope. I was yeah, recommend that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, we were kind of, um, when I was doing looking around stuff about Grady Hendrix, I, uh, he was part of, I believe the American Institute of psychical research. I don't know if you know about those. No. Um, they, I believe they started in English with the spiritual or in England with the spiritualists. Oh, That's cool. Um, and so he was a librarian for them. And he just knows everything about demons. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so we, Corinne and I watched, um, we virtual watch Satanic Panic together. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah, it was. But it has a couple demons in it. And then, like... I found this article and he's just talking about oh and he's like oh Paymon is like really cool because he does this and this and then he's like azazel is awesome and naming <laughs> all of these demons and i'm like he's so cool yeah. <laughs> be his friend <laughs> imagine being a librarian at like a ghost hunting
2: That's awesome
0: institute
2: i love that demons are consistent characters like they're there, <laughs> there's like a set number of them and they're just like yep it's, it's that particular demon in this story it's just they mm-hmm. never like yeah they're like elements yeah. like mm-hmm. you know it's just Elemental. like hydrogen zazel you know it's just right right
0: well, and then sometimes they call them archangels, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so
1: it's, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I want to learn more. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, in my best friend's exorcism, the demon that possesses one of the friends is named Andrus, I think. And there's like this whole backstory about him and like what his place in hell was. And, you know, it's all this like very, it's funny because it's such like biblical language of like, it's just so like, um, extravagant and ridiculous and just like you were the oh god i wish i could find that here i'm gonna f- you guys speak talk yeah. amongst yourselves and i'm gonna find the passage because it was really
2: funny so. that is, that's is the perfect way to describe <laughs> it. it it is, is like, yeah. You, yeah. you have to build this world that if you're an atheist like me you don't think exists and there's yeah. like so yeah. much canon that you have to build into it oh and it's goodness. just like that's an incredible amount of work in order yeah. to do oh that god. yeah and just
0: like cultural knowledge broader cultural knowledge to like learn anything about you know ceremonial magic or something you have to learn all about Kabbalah and like it's like okay let me just go do that real quick
2: yeah I mean that's something (laughs) like I noticed when I was going back and reading Poe for this too it's just like his scary stories are super short they're like there's not like a whole lot there you know they're just sketches by modern you know uh, definition of like there's not really a huge plot arc and like there's not usually a whole lot of character change it's just like a very brief scene of something spooky and like you know I don't think people get a you can't get away with that anymore like I mean you can with short films that's true um actually I would I
0: would I would push back a little bit on that and say that that is one of the ideal forms of horror um is like extremely short form horror because it leaves so much to your imagination
1: that's a interesting
0: Um, point There's this one that I'm thinking of, and this is the perfect example, because they would take a uh, short horror film that people, you know, enter into uh, uh, competitions, Mm -hmm. and then people will try to extend them into movies, and they're terrible, usually. It was a lights out was one oh, where yeah. they basically somebody's standing in a hallway and every time they turn the light back on the thing is like closer to yeah, them. My husband did the trailer they tried to make a that. whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Then they made a whole movie and it's like you don't need to make a whole movie because it's scary enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah. And I would say one of the best places to find really scary stuff is Reddit. That's now true. like yeah. And those are all pretty short. Um I mean a lot of them. Yeah. Come into these multi multi series stuff. But we, yeah, one of our episodes, our Halloween episodes, was like about creepypasta. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah.
0: People just love the short forms. Yeah. Shit like when s- they
2: have those Reddit threads of like creepy shit my kid has said. And I'm always just like, <laughs> oh, those are nope. <laughs> nope. Can't do it. <laughs> but also, like Hollywood is passionately remaking um like other cultures' horror movies, which I find fascinating. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah, I remember like the
0: Japanese, like J horror was really big, like mm-hmm. 20, yeah. 20 years
2: ago, but now they're doing like a lot of like Mexican horror movies and like, that is super cool to me. Not going to watch them. Love the concept. I don't know
0: about this. So I'm uh, clearly like, I have a shutter subscription. I would know, but I should know better. So,
1: <laughs> okay. I found, <laughs> I found to thing here. Okay. So Andrus is the 63rd entity in the Lesser Key of Solomon, a grand marquis of hell and commander of 30 legions of demons, known as the sower of discord and bringer of ruin. Isn't that amazing? Anyway. Can I put that on
2: a Diamond's in the
0: Lesser yeah. Key of Solomon too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sower of discord.
1: Sower of discord and ruin. Oh, beautiful. Just imagine like scattering bird seed. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been an hour. <laughs> yeah. Should we... <laughs> Should we wrap it up? Should we wrap it up?
2: <laughs> totally. Um Emily, do you wanna do you wanna like plug things? Oh sure, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm Emily Edwards. I'm the host of Fuckboys of Lit. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and most major platforms at Boys of Lit. That's B O I S or at Fuckboysoflit.com. Um, if you want to find my personal musings and ridiculousness it's uh ms emily edwards so ms emily edwards and uh i lurk on twitter basically all day so it's almost like texting me if you like, if you have <laughs> reply <laughs> me because i'm always there <laughs> emily and corinne how can we keep in contact with you and your work
0: you can find us online uh hybridpubscout.com uh Facebook, Hybrid Pub Scout, um, Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout, and Instagram at Hybrid Pub Scout Pod. And yeah, on all podcast platforms as well. Yep. Thank you, Emily. Thank thank you. Yeah, Thank
1: you. This was a pleasure. <laughs> this was so much fun.
0: <laughs> and thanks for giving a riff about books.